It's week six. Start appreciating football. <laughs> the honeymoon phase is over. This is when it gets lost between week six through week 14, and then you realize the season's almost over. That's your PSA. This is Crossover Thursday. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Travis Rogers, one of two hosts of Locked On Rams as we go into this week six matchup at SoFi Stadium in L.A. One team that seems to be on the rise, one team that, one team that seems to be dissipating back into the expectations going into the season. Travis and I will rip through all the storylines, key matchups, pass to victory, and who inevitably will win this game on Sunday. Um, the Rams have been an interesting team over the last 24 months, 36 months, winning sure. the Super Bowl, coming down to earth, fire sailing, Aaron Donald almost retiring, Sean McVay thinking about retiring, and the rumors of him going to the booth, Matthew Stafford's arm falling off, Cooper Cup not staying healthy, Odo Be- like so many storylines, popcorn material all around. Okay. You, yeah. You forgot yeah, a Super Bowl now, championship in there too. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the best halftime show in the history of, of halftime shows. For, for sure. For event. Now sure. you go into this season, Matthew Stafford coming off injury, Cooper cup on the IR, and then, you know, not really understanding who the running back's going to be, if it's going to be Cam Akers or otherwise. Talk to me about how this two and three Rams team is actually better offensively than people give them credit for through five weeks. Well, I think that it, it's kind of a surprise, quite frankly, Alex, because coming into the season, I don't think anybody was entirely sure what this was going to be. They did nothing during the offseason, literally nothing. They they drafted a bunch of guys. They brought in 14 players in the draft. They traded away Jalen Ramsey. Leonard Floyd leaves. Uh, it just The whole thing was we're starting from scratch, basically. Other than Cup, Stafford, and Donald, we're starting from scratch. And that's what they did. So it was kind of, all right, let's see what it is. Beat Seattle in the opening week. It's like, okay, it's a bit of the NFL. Who knows what that means? Right. San Francisco shows up. And for the first time in a few years, it didn't feel like a mismatch. So everybody's kind of, oh, okay, cool. They, you know, maybe you're on to something. Then they lay an absolute egg on Monday Night Football against the Bengals. You're like, okay, they do stink. And they <laughs> turn around and they beat the Colts, but nearly blow a 23-point lead in the process. And it's, I don't know what the hell that was. Right. And then you play against, uh, but they win the game. They play Philadelphia last week, who, you know, the Rams have played San Francisco and Philadelphia really good straight up for a half and then couldn't get anything done in the second half. I still don't know what this team is. I know that Puka Nakua is really good. I know that Matthew Stafford, that when he is given just a little bit of time, can still throw passes that almost nobody else in this league can throw. Cooper Cup apparently is healthy. He was amazing yeah. a week ago. But there's still all sorts of questions. The offensive line is still a big question. The ability to get pressure on the quarterback is still a big question. The ability to take it away from anybody else is a big question. And their kicker sucks. So if they ever play a close game, who knows how that's going to go. It's like you said, we're, we're in the kind of the meat of the season right now. And I still don't know if this is a good football team or not. I, the only thing I know for sure is that they don't stink. I thought that maybe at the beginning of the year – they might be bad, like compete for the first pick bad. They're not. They're compete for somewhere between that six, seven, eight, nine spot in the NFC, which is a lot better than I anticipated. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the head coach and quarterback, it's one of those anything can happen. I mean, yeah. you know, I talked about this with Denver. It's like Denver can turn it, it's Sean Payton and it's Russell Wilson. Like win above replacement over their history has been pretty, pretty positive in both of their ways. So, you know, when you have Matthew Stafford, you have Sean McVay, both substantiated guys in the NFL. It makes sense. And then Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua has been an absolute vision. Seems yeah. to be a guy that 
that doesn't that's like a Miles Austin come out of nowhere guy at like 22. It doesn't make any sense, but it seems to be translatable in a Cooper Cup kind of way where it's a solid wide receiver right out the gate. Now transitioning to the Cardinals, they get came out of the gate a little bit more fun than the Rams did, where it's like, who the hell are these cards? What is this? <laughs> and sure, like I call it the hopefully hopefully you'll appreciate this. I call it the Nate McMillan effect, where the okay. first couple games of a new head coach, usually teams play better. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Nate McMillan is the best interim head coach in the history of sports. First don't, 10. Don't sleep on years. Alvin Gentry, by the way. Alvin Gentry, well, you know, maybe I'll give him the silver medal. But Nate McMillan has come in, fired coach, 20 games, playoffs. Contract extension, fired after two years. It just rinse and repeat. And he's a great coach, but he's not. That's kind of what it's been like with Jonathan Gannon so far, where it's like, mm. it's the honeymoon phase. It's the new thing. But what I've gone back and forth with, and I've talked to a lot of associates and people like that, fans, it's like, is this good because it's different or is this good because it's good? And when it comes to Jonathan Gannon, what we've seen so far, the fire in their gut thing that people made fun of, like that's a thing that we've seen from the Cardinals that we haven't seen over the last four years, regardless of win-loss record for Cliff Kingsbury. You know, it's something that is a very under um, talented team compared to the average in the NFL. You've got good offensive pieces, which we've seen, but one to 53 on game day, they're at a disadvantage pretty much in perpetuity through this season until Kyler Murray comes back, but it's been different. And that's been good. Drew Petsing's offense has been an adult big boy offense. And that's good. Nick Rallis has his defense severely under, you know, under talented ball hawking, getting after the quarterback and playing really hard. And that's really what you, all you can really ask for at this point. And it's something that going into week six is really going to kind of be a potential witching hour where it's like, if the Rams beat them 34 to three, it's like, okay, well um, now let's see how they can get better throughout the year and yeah. able to build a foundation for the future. And I see, as we'll talk about in the second segment, I promised myself and Travis, I wouldn't talk about this in the first, <laughs> that it could be a potential nightmare fuel wide receivers yeah. for the Rams and, and corners for, for the, um, for the Cardinals. Well, I, I think you bring up a, a what you're talking about is exactly what I think Rams fans are hoping happens, which is, you know, watching the Cardinals from a distance is they've been in every game, right? They, they've been in, which is a surprise. And that newness of the new coach, the new scheme and all the things that you're talking about is still making them competitive. What you hope is, is that the losing starts to weigh on them in a way that like you can be competitive and that's fine. But if you're losing every Sunday, eventually that competitive spirit starts to wane a little bit. What I would love to see is for the Rams to take advantage of the losing, right? They go up big, get a nice big lead and be able to kind of punch a hole in the side of that boat. Because what the Rams have done is let other teams hang around. Other than the Seattle game, every game that the Rams have played has been close. And not because it's been well played, but just because they've either been good enough to match the better teams like San Francisco and Philadelphia, or they've played down to some other teams like Cincinnati and Indianapolis. So hopefully you start to see some of that disparity and that the Rams talent, and like I'm interested in how you said that, Alex, that one through 52, the Rams do not have the most talent in the league, but they have talent at really important spots. They have the quarterback, they have the wide receiver, they have Aaron Donald, they can do, go do some things. And I think that's been what's happening in the second half is that it's everybody past your three best guys that makes a difference over the course of a game. So I can hang around for a half. And I think for the first time, maybe all year, when they walk out on the field on Sunday, they might have the better team top to bottom. Which Yeah, I, I mean, Kyron Williams has been a vision. I mean, Kyron yeah. Williams has been a vision. Like, if anybody's – like. 
I know Cam Akers had, you know, a tough, tough year with them last year. Coming in this year, it seemed like he was going to be the guy until he wasn't. I'm not in L.A. I don't know like you do, but, like, it seemed like, you know, he's a fifth-round draft pick in fantasy. He's going to be the RB1. Who's this Kyron Williams guy? Maybe I'll draft him as the handcuff, which a lot of people did. And then he just comes in, and he's an RB1. It's like you fell into an RB1, and this probably has to do a lot with Sean McVay's scheme. It has to do with a lot of different things. And the ability to go, like, I mean, it's the new NBA. It's, it's three-pointers in. I mean, because you have those wide receivers on the outside – you can run the ball easier because of that and not setting up the run, not running the ball to set up the pass, which is, you know, backwards, but it's worked for the Rams. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that offense is just, and where we are now, this is going to be a very, very interesting litmus test for both teams about the rest of the season. Yeah, I I think so. I think that the Rams, you know, I said at the beginning of the year, if, if if there are a couple of different benchmarks through six games, be three and three. The Rams have their bye week in week 10. So through the first nine weeks of the season, be four and five or be five and four. Because if you're right around there and then you the Rams schedule in the second half of the season is far easier than it's been through the first half of the season. So if you can kind of keep your head above water, you're going to be in a pretty good spot to at least be around a playoff spot once you get to, you know, December and beyond. But it's games like this against Arizona. You lose this game, and now you got to beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. This is one of the few games where I think they do have an advantage that they should win, which is why it's so damn scary. Because if they if you lose to Arizona, now you got to beat San Francisco, or now you got to beat Seattle again. Now you got to beat Dallas. Now you got to beat a Green Bay in Green Bay where they never play well. That it just gets a little more complicated that path. This is one of those games you put on the W side and hope to to, to stack those things, but. Who knows? They got smoked by him last year, so you never know what's coming. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, Les Snead will probably trade for Justin Jefferson in week eight. I mean, it doesn't Good. matter. <laughs> oh, not whatever, before the trade deadline in two weeks, yeah. Right. Um, Alex Clancy locked on Cardinals. Travis Rogers locked on Rams. This is Crossover Thursday, locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Key matchups. I'm going to throw up. I don't want to do this segment, but we have to. <laughs> Ross, I promise I'll do it. Uh, Crossover Thursday, this episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is awesome. I wish that that could be the live read, but I have to do more. I have to explain to you more about Price Picks because it's even more awesome. So all you do is you pick two or more projections, and if the player is going to score more or less than the projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. Super simple. You can place your, your entry in 60 seconds or less, and you can win up to 25 times your cheese if you do five uh, more or less in one entry. Okay, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. They offer weekly uh, promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, uh, Prize Picks discounts select players' projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And they offer Apple Pay Man for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Crossover Thursday, Travis Rogers locked on Rams at Travis Rogers on Twitter. The one percenter, I'm going to say it every time. Every time I have somebody on, it doesn't matter. Somebody that has first name, last name, Twitter handle, always. <laughs> in my good grace. At Clancy's Corner on Twitter for myself, free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube for our respective podcast. Key matchups. Um, I think this is twofold, and I think it's for both teams. Um, I won't speak for you yet. I'll let you speak on my screaming cry for help um, <laughs> into the Phoenix night here 
Uh, the Cardinals secondary is not good. Uh, with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson out, Jalen Thompson is probably going to miss the game. Buda Baker still on the IR. Uh, the corners are not good. This was not a position that was that depth was added to this offseason, and that's okay. I've said a lot on the podcast. It's a two-year rebuild. They can't get everybody. Garrett Williams, rookie, may play this week or probably next week. And then on the other side, you see the best duo in wide receivers in the NFL, probably the most – it has to be the most surprising player in football this year. I think so. Uh, at a BYU, him and Cooper Cup coming in, like – Tell me why or tell me how they don't get 30 targets between them. And this is no joke. This is no joke. 30 targets between them, 350 plus yards and three plus touchdowns on Sunday. Like, I don't see that as like, a, oh, well, you're you're being dumb. That's that's blowing this up. Why? There's no reason why that wouldn't happen. Can I make a case for why it might not happen? Sure. And then, look, I, I think you're right. I think that the combination of those two guys, I think we got a really good glimpse of it against Philadelphia last week because I was I was an- interested. Anxious is the wrong word. I was interested to see how it was going to shake out with the return of Cup. With it, and especially on the opening drive last week, they threw it to Cup five times on the opening. Like, okay, so Pukas just doesn't exist anymore. And then it started to balance itself out a little bit. We saw him get the touchdown before the end of the first half. Yeah. I, I think that that – is the duo that everybody else is trying to find in this league. Rams offensive line is still a ginormous question mark. It's huge. You have guys that are either already down, guys like Joe Nopum, you're playing back up at, at right guard, and you got a guy named AJ Jackson at left tackle who may or may not be there. We saw Rob Havenstein miss one play at right tackle last week. One play, and Matthew Stafford nearly got killed because McClendon missed a block and Stafford took the hardest shot of the season. So that line is a real problem. It's better than I think we, we, we were hoping coming into the season, but we've already started to see some attrition along that line. And Sean McVay is, this is the analogy I use, Clancy, all the time. This is like you found the perfect wife or girlfriend, right? There's, you, you love everything about her and she's, there, there's nothing you would change except for, you know, she, she moves her lips when she reads or, or her, her nose whistles when she sleeps, right? One of these things. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to break up over this, but, but it drives me crazy. Sometimes he just decides to not run the ball. He just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things, like even just the threat of it happening, I think opens up Naku. It opens up Cup. It opens up, you know, if those two guys get going, now Higby's open. And now, you know, Tutu Atwell can get behind all of the different things. But sometimes just, you know, what, we're going to run it four times today, eight times today, 12 times today. And it's not good enough. And then you put more pressure on that offensive line and it starts to spiral and Stafford takes hits. Like every other quarterback in the history of the league, if you hit him, he's not very good. And when he starts to get hit, it starts to break down really, really quickly because they they refuse to run the ball. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and with the removal, addition by subtraction, I guess you could say, of Van Jefferson going to Atlanta earlier this Mm -hmm. week, that means that Tutu Atwell now has the trust of Sean McVay to be the -the over-the-top guy. Ben was running around like he was playing peewee basketball. The guy who wasn't very good, he just (laughs) ran up and down the court. Like he wasn't getting targets. He's a talented receiver. He he, seems to have a spot on his team. Yeah, I think what happened with Tutu more than anything is he got a little stronger because to your point, every time he was on the field, never mind if he had the ball or not, he almost never had the ball. Just him getting touched, he felt like he's going to break in half. And we've seen him take some some shots this year. We've seen and and nothing crazy, but. NFL, he looks like an NFL player all of a sudden, whereas before it looked like, hey, somebody get him off the field. He's going to get hurt, and now it doesn't feel like that. And now he can be that guy. 
to get behind the last defender. He can't be the guy to take the top off. And it just opens up everything. And you'll remember this. The, the group they have now with Cup, uh, Nakua, and Atwell reminds me a ton of the group they had with Cup, Woods, and Cooks. Mm-hmm. And Atwell is not as good as Cooks. Cooks is, you know, a 1,000 yards year after year after year. Robert Woods has been doing it a long time. Puka Nakua has been doing it for a month. But the way the pieces fit together are very similar. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, it, yeah. And that makes sense. I, Robert Woods was always my my favorite of those three. He's terrific. Assassin coming over from Buffalo. Yeah. Um, and a USC guy. That's right. So um, with the Cardinals, it's a little different. James Conner on IR, okay, um, I said when the season started, he should be touching the ball 55% of the time, max. Otherwise, something like this would happen. Lo and behold, they run to the ground by all accounts. Something like this happened. Hopefully, he'll be back um, right when you know, right when he's able to after after the four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Ari Demarcado uh, from TCU, r- a rookie. I think he's going to be starting running back. I think with the Cardinals, the biggest thing with Drew Passing's offense is, and I think this is where the Cardinals can have some sort of a semblance of you know keeping in this game, even when Josh Jobs is quarterback, is Drew Petsing is very good at running clock. He's very good at taking the air out of the ball, running 12 personnel with Trey McBride, who's a good blocking tight end in his second year. We haven't really seen the offensive flashes yet. Zach Ertz is more of a receiving Jimmy Graham-ish tight end, but he can chip. They need to run the ball. The best offense or the best defense against this offense is Matthew Stafford on the sidelines, especially where the Cardinals are. Now, Drew Petsing has also done a very good job of masking plays that are kind of trick-ish plays, but they're run level-headedly. Like these aren't, you know, these aren't, uh, you know, triple reverses with the wide receiver throwing the ball, but it is getting Rondo Moore in space. It's getting Hollywood Brown in space. It's getting Michael Wilson in space, even though he had a down week last week. Michael Wilson is the Puka Nakua of the Arizona Cardinals coming out of Stanford. He had a couple really good weeks. The Cardinals need some depth in the wide receiver room. And I think that if they can run the ball somewhat effectively, and it's a big if without James Conner, but if they can get chunk first downs and move the ball down the field, they can stay in this game. Now, three and outs, no rush attack, 15 rushes for 28 yards at the end of the day. It's going to be a long day. But what you said, and the other thing before we pivot to pass to victory for both teams, the other match I want to talk about is the pass rush for the Cardinals that has been pseudo non-existent. But you know what the best friend of a pseudo non-existent pass rush is a battle yeah so i mean the cardinals have shown like cam cam uh cam thomas has shown flashes second year at san diego state zavin thomas uh, zavin collins has been okay um dennis gardeck has been the star of the show and who's kind of coming becoming a household name now um if they can get pressure on matthew stafford anything's possible yeah, and like you said, kind of taking the air out of the ball the other way. It's something that the Rams have done a reasonably good job of until they stop doing it. Like we saw against San Francisco, against Philadelphia, in the two first halves, Rams only had the ball three times in, in both of those halves. And a couple of those possessions nearly ended the halves. They give the ball right back. San Francisco scores right before the end of the half. They, you know, they get in the end zone. Same thing with Philadelphia. And instead of having the lead, and going into the locker room, and in both of those cases, they were going to come back and get the ball to start the third quarter. They give the lead right back, or they let the other team catch up and tie them at the end to be able to have that momentum, to be able to not have you know one or two possessions that are really quick and the defense is right back on the field. The Ram defense doesn't have anybody you've ever heard of outside of Aaron Donald, maybe Ernest Jones, but this is not a group of guys that you're super familiar with, but it's good enough. 
the the defense has been good enough. I want to give up six points to Philadelphia in the second half. So if they can get off the field, like you're talking about, get Matthew Stafford back on it, that works too. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. Like as we'll pivot here in a sec, there's been so much bad football played this year. Yeah. Just, just bad. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's players not staying in college long enough. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know what the hell it is, but there is no middle class in the NFL anymore. Like there's bad teams and there are, you know, above average teams. Right. And I would still put the Rams in an above average spot. Like it's, it's just, you've just got to find the right guys that make the least amount of mistakes in an effort to keep you in a game for one possession game down the stretch. That's kind of like the name of the game now. Yeah. Well, the guy, the JB Long is the radio voice of the Rams and, and he comes on with us during the pregame show every week. And, and he has something that, he calls the the CQI, which is the coach quarterback injury, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the three things that matter in the NFL. What does your coach do? What does your quarterback do? And are you lucky on the injury report? Are you staying healthy? That if you get all three of those things in your favor, or sometimes even two of those things in your favor, you got a pretty good chance. Well, we know they got the the coach. The quarterback, when you give him a little of the time, is still one of the best you're going to find. And so far, you know, knocking on wood, the Rams have been pretty lucky in the injury uh, report. And I think that's why that they're flirting with 500 at this point. But, you know, I don't think Sean McVay is going to lose his way. But if all of a sudden Matthew Stafford's getting pounded, they do not have a backup. They don't have one. Brett Rippon would play, but that doesn't work. Stetson Bennett is gone. Good luck trying to find out where he's went or what's going on there. They don't have a plan B at that position. So if he goes down, forget about it. Alex Lancey locked on Cardinals. Travis Rogers locked on Rams. Crossover Thursday. One of my favorites. Pass to victory. Um, do you want to ask him about Jalen Ramsey? The Rams are just fa- – listen, the Rams are fascinating. I talk about the Cardinals all the time. I want to talk about the Rams now too. Um, <laughs> this episode of Locked On Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Jace Medical. So here's the thing. Um, everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And – That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so you're not just hoping that you can have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Remember, Jace case, five life-saving antibiotics for emergency and give you a peace of mind you're not just hoping for medication during that emergency. Get 20 bucks off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Final segment here, crossover Thursday. We've had everything. You got the Nate McMillan effect. I don't bring that up on many people. I mean, I feel like it's – I say smart things once a year, and I think that's growing that's up, loving the NBA. That's what – like, wait, he's doing it again. Wait, he's in Atlanta. He's doing it again. Wait, he just got fired. He's got two years. Wait, what's going on? Um, why is Quinn Snyder there? Yeah, anyways, you know, you have – so, anyways, that's good. Alex Clancy locked on Cardinals. Travis Rogers locked on Rams at Travis Rogers on Twitter at Clancy's Corner for me. Uh, free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube Monday through Friday. Locked on Cardinals, locked on Rams. It's going to be, I think the best way to say it is it is a litmus test for both teams. Kind of to see three and three is a lot different than two and four. One and five is a lot better than two and four for the Cardinals, I think, at this point. You know, Joshua Dobbs has shown flashes of 
real competency at quarterback with a year devoid of competency at quarterback, a kid who has never started a young man. Sorry, I call him kids because I'm old, but like a, a young man who's, who's never really started. He started two games for Tennessee randomly last year. It's like out of a mad libs. And then, you know, he comes in, he doesn't know the offense. He's been with the team for a couple months and he's really ingratiated himself as the, as the quarterback for this team. He kind of came back to earth last week. And even though they threw you through a couple touchdown passes, that's really going to be it for me. The interior of the offensive line is suspect, at least, especially on the left side. Where does Aaron Donald love to play? The right side, but left side, if we're doing the mirror thing, right, right. exactly in the weakness of the Arizona Cardinals on the left side of the offensive line. And DJ Humphreys is taking a step back as well. This could be a coming out party for Aaron Donald. And that's what fears me most for Joshua Dobbs and the offense on Sunday. Yeah, the, the Donald thing is interesting. He's still very, very good. And and if you isolate and watch him play, there are still moments where there's just no answer for him. What he did against Indy a couple of weeks ago was prime Aaron Donald. We've also seen him be a complete non-factor against San Francisco and against Philadelphia and to a lesser degree, uh, you know, in, in the Seattle game. You can deal with him in a way that you haven't been. He's still a problem, but he's slightly less of a problem he used to be an a plus now he's an a and, and, and you got a little bit of room there now if the offensive line struggling forget about it if, if if the the one thing that i think that the teams have been able to do is not let anyone else have any success either whether whether it's byron young whether it's any of the other guys michael hoyt or whoever haven't been able to put a ton of pressure on the quarterback if if matthew stafford has time they should win this game if matthew stafford has time to find a coup and cup they're going to win the game. Like you said, the quarterback position for, for Arizona right now, it may be better than you thought before camp started, before camp ended and the season started when they got rid of McCoy. I would just from the outside looking in, but not a guy that you necessarily fear uh, that's going to go put it. I think the Rams can score their, their 24, 27 points. They're going to be a pretty good spot. Yeah. I mean, and with the Cardinals and I, I've struggled with this because I'm not a green ribbon consolation trophy topic guy where it's like well they lost but these are some great takeaways that's right. what 2023 is yeah. it's one big rebuild that's what rock bottom looks like and they're completely rebuilding they're trying to find redeeming qualities whether it be scheme from the offense or defense or players who are moving themselves into more of a star role we've seen mm -hmm. that with Kazir white coming over from philly playing inside um that was the steal of the of the offseason he knows nick rouse he knows jonathan gannon obviously hollywood brown has played great like, especially grading on a curve, he's played great. He is he is solidifying himself as wide receiver 1A. I just mm -hmm. feel like he and Kyler Murray are going to be a package deal. Either it's both or it's neither. Michael Wilson has played fine as a third-round rookie pick. Rondo Moore shown flashes. Flashes like what I'm looking for. Paris Johnson Jr. has played incredibly well on the right side, the top, their top 10 pick out of Ohio State. Yep. So what I'm looking for going into Sunday, I do think the Rams win this game. What I'm looking for Sunday is keeping, and this sounds like a joke, but it's not. Keeping the Rams under 30 points and keeping Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua from under 350 yards combined, which seems like a difficult task for any secondary, let alone one that's devoid of the talent. Like Marco Wilson's QB uh, QB rating against is over 130, I think. Like, yeah. And this isn't these players' fault. This isn't their fault. This is a transition. Marco Wilson has never been a CB1. It's not his fault that he, like, it's not, he'd be, he'll be a great piece for this team moving forward, but it's just, it's the sore thumb on this defense. 
and it's it's something that is going to be completely exposed on Sunday. Having said that, Daily Fantasy, start everybody. Start Puka <laughs> Nakua, start Kyron Williams, start Matthew Stafford. That's a quad stack. <laughs> that is. I got I got a quick one for you. Yeah. What what is the plan with Kyler Murray if you do land with the top pick? If you land with the top pick, that means he didn't play more than four or five games. I think if Kyler Murray comes back with this offense, they'll win a couple games. Okay. Like I, I think the offensive line's good enough, and I think that they could outscore teams even with you know the defense being as such with this offense. Kyler Murray will thrive in my humblest of opinions. Now, if they get the number and so say they get a top two pick, okay, because Carolina's going to get the number one pick, it's going to go to Chicago. Carolina's right. the worst team I've ever seen in my life. So they're going to get so so say the Cardinals get the two pick, okay, okay. which will still be Drake made, will still be five to ten teams trying to trade up to two, or the Cardinals could take Marvin Harrison Jr. there. I think personally, keeping Kyler Murray is the right the right play here, and mm. for a couple different reasons. And thank you for asking me this because I haven't talked about this in a while for my listeners. <laughs> um, one, if it doesn't work in 2024, trade him. Like, it's not like it's like, oh, you have to keep him for the entirety of his contract. It's one year. Two, we don't know that Caleb Williams is going to be the next Peyton Manning. People think and listen and watch. USC hasn't played one good team and they've had two very close games. Okay. The defense, Great. I get it. Three very <laughs> close games. That's right. LA guy. Yeah. Three yeah. close games. U of A this last week. We don't know what Caleb Williams is. Think for yourself and don't just listen to what other people say. Two, three. If the Cardinals trade back, say that they're the say that they're the two pick, and somebody at three knows that there are ten other teams that want to trade up to two to get Drake May or whoever who the hell Spencer Rattler, Jake McCarthy, whoever it is, JJ McCarthy, whoever it is. Right. The Cardinals can trade down one pick, get an extra first rounder, and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, this is a situation. And then they'll have Houston's pick also. You right. need to look at the possibility of the Cardinals having two top five picks, a quarterback who's already proven that he's a Pro Bowl. And guess what? If it doesn't work, trade him after this year. Yeah, The Cardinals aren't in a situation where they're a quarterback away. They're a full team away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of where we're at. And I know that it's a bunch of different scenarios, but – the Cardinals have a quarterback who's shown flashes. I know he hasn't been perfect all the time. We haven't seen him without Cliff Kingsbury, and that's what I'm holding on to still. Mm. This offense, look at Cleveland's offense last year with Kyler Murray. You'd win 12 games. You'd win 13 games. Yeah. You have 12 personnel. You've got seven guys on the line blocking. And you have good running backs. You have good wide receivers. Like, I don't understand why people won't just give it a chance. Does that make sense? It does. It, it does. The only, the only thing I would say is I have watched a lot of Caleb Williams. That dude's going to kill it. He, he, he is, he's accurate. He's big. He's strong. He's smart. He doesn't get hit. Like you, you he does the thing that used to drive me crazy watching the Seahawks over and over again. Like you think you're going to get Russell Wilson and he's down on the ground. He steps out of bounds. You never get a clean lick on that guy. Same thing with Williams. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Like okay. I, I was, I was, I was a big one on. Listen, if the Rams get off to a bad, if the Rams open zero and three, open up the floodgates and race to the Everybody. bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're they're much better than I anticipated. So let me ask you this: We'll get out of here. I mean, we're we're gonna go over. I just it's just gonna happen. So, um, tell me this: You've been in LA a long time, yeah. Okay? And and if Caleb Williams, I hope he's great. 
Like this isn't saying this isn't me being, you know, um, anti-programming or, uh, you know, counter-programming just to do it. Like yeah. Matt Leinart was great also. I'm not comparing the two. I'm not. Um, I know that Matt Leinart had the best offensive line in the history of sport. Mm-hmm. He had one of the best defenses in the history of college football. And he probably had, and I'm, this is recency bias for me. I still think Reggie Bush is the greatest thing I've ever seen in college sports. Might be. Might you know, be. like, and sure, Jim Brown, Herschel Walker, I get it. Herschel Walker in Georgia, I get it. Reggie Bush did something in 2004 that would be marveled now. Yeah. And it wasn't, you couldn't compute it while you were watching. And Matthew Leonard had him. He had Mike Williams. He had all the receivers. He had all the tight ends. And then he comes in and he, and he, and he busts in the NFL. He wasn't touched either. And I know that it's different because he's elusive, Caleb Williams is. But give me a minute here before we get out of here for my listeners, just a little insight into what the Cardinals could potentially have with Caleb Williams if it falls that way. Well, I think what he does more than anything, and you mentioned the the close games that they've had this year at SC, they have nothing to do with the way that Williams has played. They have everything to do with the fact that they can't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fact, the thing that I like the most about him is he's a passing quarterback that is looking to pass until there's nothing else available. And then he makes something happen with his legs. And then, like I mentioned a second ago, gets his ass down on the ground. He, you, you don't get to hit him, which I think is incredibly smart because he's playing against guys right now that he's bigger, stronger, better than that he could probably run over. And it's not a big deal because he's just a better athlete than those guys. But you start falling into those habits in the NFL. You're not the bigger, stronger guy most of the time. The other thing is he makes really good decisions, right? And not just decisions based on pre-snap stuff but stuff that as it's happening he's getting that second and third guy a lot in college football which i don't think is super common and the last part is is that he's got this presence he's got this charisma that just is very very calming i think you're right i think that when you look at what Leinert had he had that Leinert, you know Leinert reminds me of not to get too far off topic he reminds me of stetson bennett that he was surrounded with so much talent that it was hard to even put your finger on what it is that Liner was doing exactly. Not, not in a bad way, but how am I supposed to evaluate him when every the other 10 guys is just better than the guy at his opposite spot? That they're going to win every 10, all 10 matchups, they're going to win that on the field. It's hard to evaluate your guy. I don't think that's the case. USC's offensive line, they've already swapped two guys out this year. He's still putting up bananas numbers. Yeah. They don't have a monster running game. Uh, Lloyd's good, but I don't know. He's not Reggie White. He's not Lindell, or, or I should say Reggie Bush or Lindell White. He's not that. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan. I, I'm not, there might be a little bit of homerism going on here, but I have not seen too much from him that makes me go, eh. Like, you, you know, there, there are some guys out there that's like, okay, that's good, but there's not a lot of butt with him that I've seen. Tank, get to the first <laughs> Cardinals. Trey Kyler Murray, you heard it here from Travis Rogers. I changed my mind on everything. <laughs> Travis Rogers crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We got a little insight into draft talk in week six. Who cares? It's Who a cares? weird year. Yeah. <laughs> we will talk to you on our respective podcast tomorrow.